scripture passage for this morning comes from Exodus 20, chapter 12, which we already read earlier. I'll read it again, and then we will turn in the back of our Trinity Psalter hymnals to the Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer 104, Lord's Day 39, which is found on page 891, the back of the Trinity. Again, our scripture passage, Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You have the Lord's Day open. I will read the question, and I would like us all to respond with the answer. The question, number 104 says, what is God's will for you in the fifth commandment? And the answer is that I show honor, love, and faithfulness to my father and mother and all those in authority over me. Submit myself with proper obedience to all their good teaching and discipline. And also that I be patient with their failings, for by their hand God wills to rule us. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sure that many of you have heard the term the cornerstone. When masons or construction workers lay the first brick of a building, they will lay the cornerstone, which sets the trajectory for two of the walls. The cornerstone is laid straight and level. It makes the task of creating those two walls straight much easier. On the other hand, the cornerstone is incorrectly set. If it is angled wrong or if the ground under it is not level, that cornerstone will then be disheveled. And the walls that will be built, the building that will be built, has a good chance of being crooked, shaky, or even leaning like the Tower of Pisa. Foundations have to be sturdy, straight, correctly built in order to support a building or a life that would be built on top of them. Just as it is critical for a construction worker to set a proper concrete or brick foundation for a building, so the role of parents is critical in setting a good foundation for their children and their spiritual lives. A foundation for our children's spiritual lives must be built upon the instructions found in God's holy word, which are then to be taught at home, here at church, and hopefully in schoolwork, whether in the house or at a school. The book of Proverbs says many things about the instruction of parents to children, and it contains promises that the things taught out of God's word, if obeyed, will be like a garland around the head, a silver chain around the neck. They will prolong the days of the child who obeys. So parents are called, even charged at baptisms, sometimes in a future sense at weddings, to raise any children that the Lord gives them in the fear of the Lord. This command runs through the whole Bible, and it is clearly put on display here in the second table of the law. We're going to look at that command today in three ways. First, we'll look at how it applied to the children of Israel. Second, how it applies to both children and parents. Third, how Jesus alone was able to fulfill that command for us. 
So first to the children of Israel, second to us as parents and children, and thirdly we'll look at how Jesus alone fulfilled that command. As we look at the historical part of the command to the children of Israel, we can see in the context that it was in the context it was delivered in, there are a couple different things. First of all, we see how this commandment is pertinent to all the people in how Israel was called God's firstborn son. In Exodus 4.22, when Moses is charged to go before Pharaoh, God references Israel, and it says in 4.22, Israel, his firstborn son. So Pharaoh was supposed to let Israel go so they could worship God. As firstborn sons, Israel was not a very obedient one. It was not grateful for the special blessing that God had bestowed upon it. Like a child that doesn't know how good it has it because it has never seen the other side, Israel wasn't aware of the blessing that waited for them in the promised land. And so in the wilderness and as they left Egypt, they complained. They grumbled against God and Moses. They did so three times before they even got to the Mount Sinai to receive the law. But Israel is still in its infancy as a nation at this point. Before getting to Egypt, it consisted of 12 sons, their families. Now it's millions of people who have been slaves their entire life. In order for God to raise up His Son to obey Him and to be obedient for His glory, He must reveal Himself to them, show them how they are to live in order to bring praise and honor to His name. In Exodus 19, prior to Moses receiving the law, God tells the Israelites that if they are going to walk before Him as His holy nation, they have to obey Him fully and keep His command, or I'm sorry, keep His covenant. This covenant was given in the Ten Commandments and the other ceremonial laws. In the first table of the law, God lays out instructions for worship of Him, to worship Him alone, how to worship Him, specifically without idols, how to treat His holy name, and finally, how to honor the day that he set aside. With these first four commands, God lays out the first table of the law, how his children are to show their love to him. In the second table, it switches to how the Israelites are to treat other people. And it's interesting and beautiful that he starts with the relationship of children to parents. Our God, who was their God, is the source of all knowledge and wisdom that is purely on display here. He knows that a society, a nation, is only as strong as the family when it comes to morality and obedience. He has chosen Israel to be his chosen people, his representatives on earth, so they must bear his mark, be different from the people around them. In order to show forth their glory, the glory of God, they must obey God, who is the supreme authority. But in order to obey God, they must also obey whoever God has placed in authority over them. The Israelites must be taught to submit to the authority who God has placed over them. And God makes it very clear to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and in Numbers when severe punishments are mandated against children who would disobey or curse their mother and father. In Leviticus 20, verse 9, it is commanded that any child who curses their parent be put to death. In Exodus 21, verse 15, it says that any child who attacks their father or their mother is to be put to death. 
Deuteronomy says in chapter 21, verse 18, that a rebellious son refuses to listen to his parents, but is instead lazy or gluttonous, be stoned to death. You see, God is a God of order. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about that in the realm of worship. But our God is a God of order and peace. We can see it in creation around us. And he requires that the family also be ordered as a picture. Israel was taught to keep out wickedness, to remember the mighty acts of God by instructing their children properly, explaining God's law to them. Having it explained to them, having it taught to them would be the chief way that the Israelites could teach their children to love God, to show thankfulness for all of the blessings that he has given them, including the deliverance from Egypt. Even back in the Old Testament, we can see clearly how the law was used as a means to show thankfulness, not solely as a taskmaster. But back in the Old Testament with Israel, the law was also unfulfilled. In God's giving of the law, there were instructions for blood offerings to be made for the children of Israel. We all know that the Israelites were still sinful, even though they were God's chosen people. So in order for a holy God to remain among them, to dwell among them, blood had to be shed to atone for their sins. And the Israelites didn't submit to God's authority, which was sovereign over their lives. They had to make payment for that sin with a sacrifice. The sacrifice of a lamb, which was a picture, a symbol that was accepted by God, pointing forward to something better. This and other sacrifices were never actually able to pay for the sins of the people. They were simply pictures and signs pointing forward. As the writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter 10, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So Hebrews 10 reminds us that the children of Israel were called to obey their father, but they were unable to. After that, they were graciously given the sacrificial system as a sign, pointing them forward to the one true sacrifice that was to come. The sacrifice that would pay for all of their disobedience, their father. Moving to our second point to us here today, I'm going to talk to the children first. I have some questions for you. Are you thankful for your parents? If you think about all the material things they give to you, your clothes, your toys, food, drink, now, if that isn't enough to make you thankful, think about all the ways that they show love to you. Your fathers may teach you how to build something, how to play sports, how to hopefully treat your mom and your sisters well. Your mom makes you food, three meals a day probably, helps clothe you, takes care of you when you're sick. They help you with your schoolwork, your catechism. By doing all these things, your parents show you that they love you. So are you thankful for that? How much more thankful should we be when we realize what God has done for us? Our Father in Heaven has given us everything good in the world. It would take us way too long to list all the wonderful things that our Father in Heaven has given to us. But one of the most important things He's given to us as children is godly parents. Psalm 51 verse 5 says, I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, which means that being sinful is natural to all of us. 
It isn't something we learn by watching our parents. It is something that is built into us from birth because of Adam's sin. Now, if we as children were just left to fend for ourselves, it would be nearly impossible for us to learn about God and to turn from our sins. Thankfully, God gives us godly parents that are given the command by Him to teach us His ways. This is found in both the Old and New Testament, and often there are promises attached to that obedience. You see, God knows that it is hard for us to obey Him. He knows that we are sinful. We have a sinful nature. But He promises to children that if we obey our earthly fathers and our mothers, He will reward us for our obedience. This is like when your parents tell you that if you perform a job well, they'll give you a candy or a toy. They don't have to give you that candy or toy, but it's a way for them to encourage you, to teach you how to work hard and to do a good job at something. This is what God says in the book of Proverbs when he says, Listening to the advice of your father will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. Little girls, a garland is that ring of flowers that you can make with dandelions. It's like a princess's crown. So God says if you obey your parents, you receive something like a crown for doing so. And boys, a chain to adorn your neck while you may not wear necklaces. Back in those days, that was a sign of power, of wealth, authority. So obedience to your parents, God promises to bless in his word. You see, children, God does not just say in his commandment that we are to obey our parents. That is later. This command says to honor your father and mother. And that word in the Hebrew language means to give weight to something, to treat it very importantly. It means a lot more than just simply obeying because you have to. Giving weight to something, honoring your parents, is showing them that you love them and you respect what they are teaching you because you know that it is for your good. Not only that, but if we learn to obey at a young age, it usually sticks with us into adulthood. Your parents are responsible to teach you the way that God wants you to live at a young age. And the Bible promises in Proverbs 22.6, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. This isn't just a magical formula that if we just teach you enough things when you're young, you'll be good adults. This has to do with loving the commandments of God. Parents are supposed to show you that by obeying these rules, you're staying safe in your life. When I was trying to think of a way to describe this, I thought back to where I come from in Washington. I grew up living on a dairy farm. We had lots of cows. And with our cows, we had little calves. Children, when calves are born, they go into a little hutch or a little house that they can't get out of. It has four walls. It keeps them safe. But as they get bigger, they don't fit in that anymore. So they go into a bigger pen, into a barn. Sometimes, when they get big enough, the barn will open and there will be a pasture, like a field or a yard for them to run around in with an electric fence around it. Now, when you first let a calf out into a pasture with an electric fence, my dad would call us and we would all stand, my brothers and sisters and I, on the back side of that fence so that the calves wouldn't go running straight through the fence because they probably didn't see it or know it was there. 
So we would stand there to keep them from running through it, and once they learned where the fence was, then we could leave, and they knew where the boundaries were. This has the same principle as obeying your parents. They teach you God's law as a fence, as a barrier, not to confine you or to constrict you, but to provide safety for you. You see, if the calves got outside of that fence, they could fall into a ditch, they could get eaten by a predator, they could get on the road, get run over. We wouldn't want that. So also obeying your parents keeps you safe. They are teaching you God's law. It keeps you safe. It provides security for you so that you are not only safe from sin, but you live a life that is pleasing to God. That is why God's law is there. It is not just rules for the sake of having rules, but because His law is actually good for us. When we obey His commandments, we are able to live lives that are good, they are honorable to Him. We are only able to desire to obey Him, though, because of the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts. This comes through the prayers, the teachings of those who God has placed in our lives. So we can see in this first part how God provides parents to guide children and to instruct them. And as the Holy Spirit works in their hearts, changing their hearts to obey them, they are able to do so. This is something your parents pray for. That God the Father would send the Holy Spirit into your lives, into your hearts, to begin working, to make you want to obey God. Not just to obey God, but make you want to obey God out of love and out of thankfulness to Him. Switching to parents. Parents, when we read this command, we have to ask ourselves some questions too. First of all, what is our goal when we teach our children to obey authority? And secondly, are we ourselves submitting properly to authority? So first of all, what are we trying to instill in our children when we teach them right from wrong? Is it just a legalistic attempt to raise good girls and boys that when we're out in public will make us look good? Or is there something much deeper, much more beautiful that we are trying to show them? As I just explained to the children, the law was given as a fence to keep them safe, to show them God's love for them. By instituting the law, God was showing what He requires of us and what will ultimately be for our good. So as we read the fifth commandment and hear that it comes with the promise of long life, the other promises in Proverbs of it adorning the children who obey it, are we faithful to show God's law in that light? Do we show our children that honoring authority brings glory to God? By honoring authority, they honor Him. And do we show them through explanations of love, that by obeying commands faithful to God's word, that they are protecting themselves from destruction and sin. That is a tall order for us as parents. Not only do we have to know God's law well in order to teach it, but we have to be faithful in explaining it too. We cannot just respond to our children that it's because I said so, or that's what the Bible says. That is half of a truth. We do our children a disservice if we don't take the time to show them how God's law is for their benefit and their delight. We have to show them that by honoring those in authority over them, they are being faithful to God's word, and he promises to bless them for that.
God has placed everyone who is in authority in that place. Unless they are teaching something contrary to God's law, we are called to obey them. In this way, we show our faith and our trust in God. Also a servant-like attitude that is modeled by Christ himself. But as parents, we can't just talk the talk. We have to walk the walk as well. Actions speak louder than words. And if we don't show our children our submission to authority, then are we surprised that they don't take us seriously when we require it of them? We as parents must be very honest with our children about our own shortcomings, and we have to be good examples of submitting to the authorities over us as well. That might mean while we don't agree with everything that is put into law, we are still called to show honor to those God has placed in power. This is biblically shown for us in Acts 23. If you turn with me there. Page 1186 in the Pew Bibles. Right at the top, chapter 23, the first five verses, Paul has been arrested and he's been put in front of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council. And it says, and looking intently at the council, Paul said, brothers, I have lived my life before God in all good conscience up to this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Are you sitting to judge me according to the law, and yet contrary to the law you order me to be struck? Those who stood by said, Would you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I did not know, brothers, that he was the high priest. For it is written, You shall not speak evil of the ruler of your people. I can tell you now that I would probably react very similarly to Paul... If somebody said, hit Jeremy, so somebody standing next to me hit me, I would probably respond very similarly. But we are not called to do that. While we definitely don't appreciate getting hit, we are still called to show honor and respect to those whom God has placed in authority over us. We have to show our children that we also are under authority. and We have to show them to respect Authority. Paul teaches in Romans 13 that rebellion against the governing authorities is rebellion against God. If we aren't being asked to disobey God's law, then we are called to submit. And not only to submit, but to honor them. 1 Timothy 2 says to pray for them. And the Belgian Confession in Article 36 says to submit to them in all things that are not in conflict with God's law. Sinful, unregenerate man is stubborn and proud, unwilling to follow the commands of God because we think we know better. This unwillingness to submit to God's law is what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden, and it is what led to the fall. By obeying God's word, they could have enjoyed life in his presence, unstained by sin. But we are proud. Our sin makes us fight against authority. In 2 Timothy 3, we can read all of the terrible sins that will mark the last days. One of these things is children being disobedient to their parents. It is not hard to see that in the world today, even at times in our own churches. 
sinners, all of us, parents and children alike. So we are called to look outside of ourselves to fulfill this. Our final point, place where we look, and that place is the cross. There, the only obedient son that ever lived was crucified. The only child that was ever perfectly obedient was punished with the full cup of God's wrath so that disobedient children like you and I could be redeemed. Adam was placed in paradise. He was given communion with God, but he did not obey his heavenly father, so he was removed from the Garden of Eden. Children of Israel were saved from Egypt, taken to the land of promise, a land flowing with milk and honey. But they too forsook God's laws and were kicked out of the land of promise. We ourselves are sinners, constantly disobeying our Father and failing to honor the authority that He has placed in our lives. All of us, Adam, Israel, and us here today, have the same problem of rejecting God's authority. So we look to Christ. He willingly submitted himself to sinful man's authority and took upon himself the punishment due to us all. He willingly left paradise and took upon himself the nature of a man. He also came out of Egypt and was tempted in the desert, but he did not fail the tests there. He was free from the stain of sin, being born of a virgin, and he kept the law perfectly, obeying both his earthly parents and his Father in heaven, submitting himself. We can see that clearly in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but yours be done. By his perfect obedience, he set the firm foundation that we can build our lives on. He is the stone rejected by the builders who has become the chief cornerstone. He is the beloved Son of the Father in whom his Father is well pleased. And since he has satisfied all of the Father's requirements, he has sat down on the right hand of the throne on high, where he never ceases to make intercession for us. He is who we look to as our only hope, our example to strive after. Through faith we are clothed in his righteousness and we are washed in his blood. Through his spirit we are renewed and given the desire to seek to obey his commands. And although we fall short every day, we don't despair because we are not justified by works of the law. We seek to perform them out of hearts that are thankful for our elder brother who obeyed perfectly in our place. Amen. Now we pray. Father, as we come before you again, we confess that we are disobedient children. Day after day, just like the children of Israel, we complain about our circumstances and we fail to obey your law of love that is given for our good. Father, forgive us. Renew us again. Give us strength through your Spirit to strive against the sins that would seek to undo us. And may we, more and more, be molded and shaped into the image of your Son. Bless us, we pray, for his sake. Amen.